please be seated. Reading from Matthew chapter 6, familiar words of our Lord's Prayer as we begin our God willing many opportunities to gather on the Lord's Day, the Resurrection Sunday, first day of the week, uh, through today and through the rest of the year. It says, Our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. And as the Gospel of Luke adds, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory for now and for how long? Forever. And amen, so be it. Our Lord taught us to pray this way. I'm going to focus on just four words this morning. Four words. Hallowed be your name. Sort of dive into the, not the start of the prayer, but I've only got today and I want to get to these four words. Our Lord taught us to pray these words for a very real reason. I don't believe he intended them merely to, us merely to recite the words as our duty in prayer. But these four words as something that represent something that is a part of our deepest longing in our souls. Something that unites God's people together as the thing that we most want together in our own lives, in the year ahead of us, and in the world around us in the year ahead of us. Hallowed be your name. Our four words that I believe need to be stuffed down into the deepest part of our soul and into the deepest part of our being, that if you were to squeeze us and we were to moan, you would understand in those words, Lord, hallowed be your name. In all the circumstances of life, whether it be joy, whether it be grief, that, that there is one unifying, controlling idea that we're longing for in God's presence, Lord, would you hallow your name? It's something that is at the center of all of Christian thinking. Something that is at the root of all Christian character. Would you hallow your name? Something that is the source of all Christian conduct. Why do we do what we do? 
hallowed be your name. Something that, that is the reason for all of our action in this world. Not for reputation, not, Lord, that you would make us great, but hallowed be your name. What emboldens us for witness? Become awakened to this deep longing and desire in our hearts. Lord, would you hallow your name? And without it, we are just a show. First of all, four words, hallowed be your name. Just double check it. Really be embarrassed if I got that wrong. <laughs> Four words. Hmm. Are words that establish a critical orientation. And that's what the Lord's Day is for. It's for orientation. These are words, these are four words of orientation. Lord, hallowed be your name. It, it isn't asking God to do something for us. It's asking God to do something for himself. Those are four words of orientation. Because it makes us look at it and go, well, well wait a minute, that, that's not actually how I usually pray. I'm usually praying, Lord, would you give me this? Would you do this for me? And th this is... This is the first request of, of the Lord's Prayer. And the Lord's Prayer goes on to talk about all the things that we need to ask for God for, all the things that we depend upon God for. Would you, would you give us our daily bread? Would you forgive us our sins? Would you keep us safe from the devil? Would you give us all that we need? But this is the seed idea that is going on in all of those requests. Lord, would you hallow your name? And so it is a wonderful prayer of disorientation for our spirituality when we are on a path that where puts us at the center of everything. And I'm an example how my religion, as pious as it might look, is just a bluff for a massive obsession with self. And it's a way to get what I want, the best path that I think that I can be happy. And so it's a, it's a prayer of disorientation when all we're thinking about is what can God do, what will God do for me? And these four words remind us that our Lord taught us to pray that God would do something for himself. And by doing this thing for himself, he does all things for us. They're archaic words, a little bit, hallowed. Hallowed be your name. It's not words that we use often in our vocabulary. Wave to your neighbor, have a hallowed day. <laughs> He'd say, go away. <laughs> and so I want to explain it. Let's not have any fog in our minds. What does that actually mean to to pray those four words, hallowed be your name. What is it that we're asking God to do? And by asking God to do that for himself, he's doing all things for us. The root meaning of the word hallowed is the same, similar to the word holy, which means set apart. If you take the word holy and verbifies it, 
turn it into a verb, you would have the basic idea of what it means to be hallowed. Would you holify, make holy? Would you make holy your name? And the word holy means to set apart, but, but not set apart in the sense of set aside. Like, okay, go over there. Just go stand in the corner. You've been bad. That's set apart, but that's not the kind of set apart that we're talking about. Not, not the set apart in terms of being isolated. Lord, just stay in your church, okay? Don't go anywhere else. Not that kind of set apart. But this kind of set apart, set apart for a special regard. Set apart for special esteem. Let me see, see the disorientation of this. Not that we be set apart. Lord, don't, not, or the prayer isn't, Lord, would you please set me apart to be special? <laughs> Lord, would you please set yourself apart? Would you set your name apart for high regard, for special esteem, and for greatness? It's the very opposite of blasphemy. Blasphemy is the disregard of God's name. Blasphemy is the scoffing at God's name. Blasphemy is to change God's name. Blasphemy is to replace God's name with something else. Hallowed be thy name are words that confront head on the spirit of our age. Simply put, to pray this way, to pray these words, these four words, hallowed be thy name, not in recitation or some kind of formal piety, but as something that, that infuses everything that we think about, everything that we pray about, everything that we long for, everything that we want in this world, all the circumstances of our life, what we, what we live for, what we'd be willing to die for. God, would you please make your name great? That's what it means. Those four words. Would you do this for yourself? Would you please make your name great? And in making your name great, I know is the path to me receiving all that I need because it's in the greatness of your name that I find a shelter and refuge where I'm safe. Praise the Lord. His name is great. But what a wonderful way to pray. And when, I, when, I, when these words came into my head this week, Lord, would you make your name great? It floored me. It stopped me in my tracks saying, wow, what would happen? What would happen in this world if the Lord answered that prayer? What would happen if, if the Lord rent the heavens as, as Isaiah prays for and, and the Lord came down to make his name great it would turn the world upside down. And we live in a world that needs to be turned upside down. <laughs> and we're mindful of it all the time. Everywhere we go, every, everything we see, everything that we're reminded of. We live in a world that is hell-bent, literally, on erasing God's name. We live in a world that is 
bent on replacing God and his greatness with its own greatness. We live in a world that lives to defy God and is finding every creative way imaginable on every page of what God has said, beginning with the very first chapter, to defy him. I'm gonna read from the book of Revelation in a moment. Don't leave, please, it's gonna be okay. I've said it before, I'll say it again. I believe that the book of Revelation needs to be a book that is always open for us because John used it to talk about what the church needed in order to persevere. And he, and he collected all of the things that God had promised to do in, in, through, through the ages, through, through the prophets, and then delivers it to the church and says, this is what you need to know. All the apostles are gone, except me. And he puts it in a way where they can see it where they can visualize it. And it's, it's really helpful. We, we've referred to Revelation chapter 12 a few times in the past few weeks that has that very visual description of Satan being cast out of heaven. He's the great dragon. And the world has a dragon in it and he's furious. And he's making war on the saints. And then in chapter 13, this happens. The ally, the means by which Satan makes war on the saints, appears, comes up out of the sea. And he has horns and diadems, he has crowns all over his head. And written across his head are, it says, blasphemous names. And blasphemous names on, his, on all of the heads. And in 13.5, it says this, and the beast was given a mouth uttering haughty and blasphemous words. That's how the dragon makes his way in this world. That's how the dragon makes war on the saints is, is through the means and all the, the, the mechanisms of blasphemy represented by the names. Can, can you see it? Names written, written across his head, like pr pr giving alternatives for worship. to bring down the name of God. And then a mouth that, that spews out blasphemy, scoffing, slandering God's name in defiance. And then later on, it describes the people who actually take the mark of the beast, which is a habitual, vocational, occupational blasphemy. The defiance of God through their entire lives. And the object is to destroy God, to kill God. You can't literally, physically, of course, kill God, but you can kill his name. You can kill his, his reputation on earth, kill the memory of him, kill the knowledge of him. It's no wonder that John, earlier in the book, said to the church in Pergamum, in anticipation of this vision, he says this, I know where you dwell. You dwell where Satan's throne is. In other words, you, you, you live where blasphemy rules. 
You live where, you live where God's name is, is not regarded. And he says this, yet you hold fast. You hold fast my name. That's how our Lord taught us to pray. We live in Babylon that seeks greatness at the expense of God's greatness, that seeks its, its own name at the bringing down of God's name. So what do we do? Where do we go? All of us have reflexes with your frustration, with your anger, about the world in, in which we live for yourselves, for your neighborhood, for your children, for your grandchildren? What have you got? And it feels so useless to have just four words, doesn't it? <laughs> Is that all you got? You're bringing a knife to a gunfight? And yet there are four words to our Father who is in heaven. That's the first part of the prayer that I skipped. Their prayer to the Almighty in heaven who rules over all things. And so this is what we have. We have, we have four words. <laughs> this, is, this is how we make our way in the world. Hallowed be your name. The main point I'd like to leave stirring in your mind today in all of the different ways that it might, all the different paths it might take in your head. We do live in a world that is zealous to make its own name great. And Lord, forgive us sometimes when we want that for ourselves. We want reputation. We're jealous of others when they have it. that it is a form of, of reverse blasphemy. I hope, hope you can understand that, that, that the world wants regard. The world wants high regard for itself. It wants greatness. And to stand in the presence of the world and use these four words is blasphemous to the world. It's like showing up at a Harley meet on a scooter. No, it's much worse than that. It's blasphemous. And so be careful what you ask for. But what do you want? We tend to pray for, most, for what we want most. In all the circumstances of your life, what do you want? Two simple questions that I'm gonna work through that I think are worth considering. The first one is, what is it that we're actually asking for and what would the evidence be that it's happening? The second one is, how do we, how do we go about it? How do, we, how do we pray these words? The first one is, what would it look like? What would the evidence be that God is making his name great? What, what should we expect to not be discouraged, to not despair, to pray with faith? I believe there's only one answer to, to that question and, it, and it's really simple. It, and it's, it's this, that God makes his name great by connecting us to Jesus. 
all of God, all of the greatness of God's name, he attaches to his son. And then God puts us into the son where we in all of the rooms of redemption, once in the son, can be witnesses to all of his greatness. But until you are in Jesus, until you are connected to Jesus, it's darkness. The name of God is not great. The name of God is a threat. But in Jesus, when we are put into Jesus, is where God's name is made great. I can show you this. Listen to these words from John chapter 12. These are the words of our Lord. He says, now is my soul troubled. And he knows he's going to die. Now is my soul troubled. What what shall I say? That's a great question. What are you going to say, Jesus? You've just taken on this idea, I'm going to die. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? Shall I say that? But for this purpose, I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. As Jesus is preparing to die, He says, okay, Father, let's do this. The reason you sent me into this world is to make your name great. Now let's do it. I'm prepared to die. And that is the reason for which I've come. And I'm going to take, he goes on to say, I'm going to take the one who rules this world and I'm going to throw him down. That's Revelation chapter 12. The dragon is is thrown down. I hope that's happened for you. I hope that God has made his name great to you by taking all that accuses you, all that pins you down, and he's thrown it down. And he's made you free. And you know that his name is great. And then I'm I'm gonna be... Put on a tree, he says, and then I'm going to draw all people to myself. And so to pray, Lord, would you make your name great? This is the evidence of it. The people are coming to Jesus. People are coming to love Jesus more. People are coming to understand the greatness of God's name better, being in Jesus. And it's changing their lives. It's changing their marriages. It's changing their homes. It's changing their character. It's changing their vocabulary. It's changing their language. It's changing their their conversations and what they care about when they speak to people who don't know you yet. But how do we do it? How do we pray these, these four words? These are some, some berry ideas, okay? <laughs> and they're very selective. There's a lot that could be said about how how we pray these these four prayers. But take these berry thoughts for what they're worth. Pray them as our greatest need. 
Lord, hallowed be your name. I need to know more about that. I need to know more about the greatness of your name. Pray it as our greatest need. In other words, humbly, pray it humbly, repenting to God that your sin and in your brokenness, what you need most is a magnification of God's attributes that he attaches to his name. I have this incredible reflex inside that so much of my problems are because of you, anyone, <laughs> because of other people. And that's how, that's how I, I think sometimes. Well, if they would just stop doing that, if they would just not say that, if they would just be different, then my life would be happier. <laughs> well, if I knew more about the greatness of God's name that dealt with my pride, that dealt with my insecurity, that dealt with my treasure, dealt with all of my brokenness and my sin, my life would be changed. It's our greatest need, hallowed be thy name. Pray with expectation. Can you pray this prayer believing that such a prayer could be answered? Lord, would you make your name great? Pray it with faith. Pray, pray that this, this is what God has. Pray with a sense of calling, a sense of, of priesthood in the world in which we live. Lord, would you make your name great? Would you bring people to Jesus? Would you, would you publish to all of us more of the greatness of your name in your Son? Hebrews 11 says that faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Let's hope for this and be assured of it. James says, don't pray with doubt. Pray with faith. And pray it with priority. In our Lord's Prayer, this is the first request. And it has priority. It's not that we don't ask the Lord for many things. It's not that we don't have many things that, that, that we need the Lord to, to help us with and to give us and, and bless us with. But this is like the, the, the seed idea that, that penetrates and permeates all of those other things. Lord, would you in all of these things be making your name great? It, it's like the carrier oil in essential oils that I know you use. Those four words are the carrier oil in all of our prayers. It has a priority. But, and finally, lastly, hallowed be thy name. Four words. Pray it using the scripture. And this is a very significant idea that I, is really important to me, really important to us as pastors. This is something that's far too important to leave to our imagination. In other words, what are you thinking when you pray, Lord, make your name great. What are you thinking? Is it something in your head? Something in your imagination? Something that you think God should be like? <laughs> it's too important to leave to our opinion, to our imagination. And so, Make your name great requires that, that we be people of the word because it's in God's word that we learn what it is that makes God's name great. In fact, it's the only place that we learn what it is that makes God's name great. It doesn't concern me so much what you think would make God's name great. 
It concerns me what God would think would make his name great. And so reading the Bible, this, this, is, this is why we encourage the, the Bible reading. It's starting today, actually, starting this year. There's a, a 10 by 5 by 5 reading program. First time we've ever done it. We're really excited about it. We want to read the scriptures together. We want to read them with you. It's called 10 5 5. 10 minutes a day, five days a week, and five questions to ask. And we're not trying to inflict the burden upon you. We're not trying to put an instrument of, of shame and guilt on you. Please don't think so. That we, we want to read the scriptures together in order that God could be daily answering this question for all of us. Lord, what are you like? What is it, what attributes are you attaching to your name? What qualities are we talking about when we talk about your name? See, that's what makes the scriptures relevant. And reading the Old Testament, it includes a daily reading from the Old Testament every day. And that can be a little disorientating for some because the way that you've found the relevancy of scripture before, I have too, that you've simply asked the scriptures, ask the text, what am I supposed to do? And you open up Genesis 1 and you read it and you go, I can't do that. No, you can't. But that's not what makes the scriptures relevant. And that's why the first question on the inside of the, of the pamphlet that, that holds the reading pattern isn't the question, what does God want you to do? The first question is, Lord, what are you like? What do you want me to know about your name? Is it great? Is it faithful? Is it kind? Is it merciful? Is it judgment? And the immensity, the vastness of the Old Testament will fill your thoughts with greatness about Jesus, who's the fulfillment of it all. And we can pray together. Would you do it as you're, as you're reading through the scriptures, as you're, as you're going through the pages of the scripture, we can, we can pray these same things together as the Lord reveals his name to us by reading. Lord, would you make that name great? Would you? Would you hallow your name? Let's pray that prayer together as we read the word together. Lord, help us. I'd like to pray now. And I'm going to pray, use two scriptures to pray. And I'd encourage you to leave your eyes on the screen. It'll help you to understand what I'm praying. I'm going to pray, first of all, a prayer for God's people using Proverbs 23, 3, that God would make his name great. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Lord, would you please make your name great in your people? Help us, Lord, to find all of the paths that you have for us. Those paths are for your name's sake. Forgive us, Lord, for any disregard that we have for your name in our character, in our conduct, in our life. Thank you, Lord, for Jesus. Thank you for all that he shows to us about the greatness of your name. Amen.
Secondly, I'd like to pray for people who don't yet know Jesus, using Proverbs 4, 19. The way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. And I'm going to pray these same three words. Lord, help, I pray, more people who are in darkness yet to see the greatness of your name. Forgive, Lord, all of the blasphemy that exists in our world. Thank you, Lord, for Jesus, who is the Savior of the world. Thank you for such a Savior who brings such light into darkness. Thank you, Lord, for such hope that we have in this world, that if you were to make your name great, what a good thing it would be for ourselves and for our world. Please hear us for your own glory. Amen. Let's sing together.